you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Our space has transformed over the last week. Uh, if you're here last week, we had uh, different color cloth up here. We didn't have a green tree. There were no wreaths. We didn't have uh, this uh, grand advent wreath over here. The, the room has transformed because the season has transformed. Um, Wednesday, I had the blessing to go to lunch with a group who has uh, kind of faithfully done this transformation uh, every year. And it was uh, particularly poignant this year. Uh, Holly has been leading us in our, our worship for years. And if you don't know, Bill and Holly are leaving soon. And so as, uh, as uh, the tree was decorated this morning and the Christmas were lifted, uh, I couldn't help but watch Holly breathe a little deeper um, and uh, feel those feelings. Um, and I had lots of feelings um, about uh, the signs and symbols of a changing season. Uh, I'm sure this space for you is kind of like a Goldilocks and the Porges kind of situation for Advent. For some of you, it's a little too hot. Some of you, it's a little too cold. And some of you, it's just right. Some of you grew up in a tradition where the Sunday after Thanksgiving Sunday became the first Sunday of the Christmas season, right? Uh, you broke into Christmas carols, you uh, had the full-blown Christmas decorations, and it was full bore until the moment that Christmas service was over and then Christmas was done. Uh, those of you who are probably raised maybe in the Catholic Church, the Episcopal Church, this feels like low church Advent, right? This is, uh, we're kind of doing it, but it's not full-throated Advent, and uh, for some of you, this feels just right. We've got the wreath that feels familiar and comfortable. We have the Christmas with these uh, Christological symbols of hope in Christ. We have, uh, some of you, the, the blue is a little much because you don't quite know what's going on. This is a new thing. It used to be purple, but it's, it's blue now. Um, but I'm imagining you each experience this differently. Now, if any of you are about 175 years old, you are really experiencing this differently. Everything that you see as part of what we are experiencing as Advent is fairly new. These feel like deep old traditions to us, right? Uh, this Advent wreath, many of you probably never experienced an Advent in your life where there wasn't a wreath with these candles, right? Do you know this was an invention of the Christian bookstore in the early 1900s to sell more candles? Uh, they literally packaged up four different color candles with a white one and then said, let's do this thing where we light candles with these themes of hope, love, joy, and peace. Do you know what the Advent themes were before the Christian bookstores got involved? Sin, death, and judgment. Prepare for our next series. You can see why people maybe wanted a kinder, gentler Advent, right? Sin, death, and judgment feels like a lot when we come out of All Saints and we're heading towards Christmas. It's, it's abrupt to go from, uh, thank you, God, for these blessings and these saints who's come before us, uh, and we look forward to your, your birth. Now let's mortify our flesh and put, to, put on how, how uh, terrible we are. But if we're really careful, you can see where sin, death, and judgment 
And love, joy, peace, and hope all point to the same place. They point to the same Christ that's the center of the gospel. Uh, if, if we have the theology we claim to have, uh, both these sets of things are congruent with the themes of Advent uh, because whether uh, we are facing the reality of our own sin or whether we are looking with hope for Christ's coming, we're acknowledging that it is in Christ that we are redeemed and it is in Christ that we hope. If we're looking at the theme of death and we think, uh, woe for all the death around us and woe absolutely to the death around us, or if we're thinking about peace and love, uh, we find both rooted in this idea that Christ has defeated death and taught us what love is. And if we're thinking about judgment or about peace, we find both in a loving God who took on flesh for us. Either set of Advent themes ask us to do one thing, and it's to wait, and it's to wait well. If the themes uh, asked us to consider our sinfulness and the idea of what death might bring and the idea of judgment, or whether we're looking with love and joy and peace and hope, they ask us to think about it, what it means to be now and to wait for what is to come. All these are rooted in the same Jesus story who then invites us to, as Darren read, stay alert. Uh, as we come to these Advent texts, we, we start with these more apocalyptic scenes. Uh, as we get closer to Christmas, we'll get to the ones you're waiting for, which is the ones about sweet baby Jesus coming, and we're going to be looking for sweet baby Jesus to come to Israel. But it's no different what they're longing for and what we're longing for, which is someone to come and make things right. Today we start with an apocalyptic text that says the world is going to fall apart. The sun and the moon will be no more. Uh, we get these scenes of kind of uh, geological transformation at the coming day of the Lord. And then we get two parables. This coming day of the Lord, this apocalyptic moment, it's like a fig tree. You know when a fig tree is going to going to ripen. You can see the buds coming. You can see the, the growth happening. You can see the fruit coming. Uh, but unless you're one of these master farmers like Ray Hornback, you don't actually know the exact day that fig is going to be ripe. You can have some ideas, right? You can go, man, that, that fig is starting to look good. I bet it's going to be ready tomorrow, and it's a week before that thing is ripe. Amen? We won't even talk about my farming. Um, or you can think, man, those tomatoes they're never going to ripen, and overnight you have more orange cherry tomatoes than you know what to do with. That was our case this year. Did you know you can dehydrate them in the oven uh, and then pack them in oil, and they're delicious? We failed to do that this year. Um, we can't know the exact moment that tree is going to ripen, and Jesus says in these parables that, that even he doesn't know the moment when he's going to come and make things right when he is going to deal with sin, death, and judgment, when the fullness of our love, hope, joy, and peace are going to come together. Even I don't know, only the Father knows. And then he says, like, if this fig metaphor is not enough for you, let's, let's pretend that we're a household. And uh, there's a master in charge of the house, and, and he's going to give you, the servants, responsibility for the home. He's going to go on a trip, and he's going to disappear, and your responsibility is to have the house ready when he comes back. I don't know how well you wait for things like that. I flash back to when I had roommates in college. Uh, they went home every weekend and left me with the home alone. 
This was delightful because they were far and like nicky neater than I was. And I like to just kind of let things go. And then I would get ready for them. By the time it was time for them to come home, I would pick up the house and it would look just as immaculate as it did when they left. Until that one weekend that my roommates came home early. And the house was a wreck. Uh, from, that, from that weekend on, uh, I waited for them differently. <laughs> Uh, despite my desires to live slovenly and to uh, do exactly what I wanted, I, I kept watch for these roommates to come back. And Jesus says, uh, the life of waiting for the church is going to be like this. And this had to be a tough pill to swallow for his disciples, right? He's telling this story to people who have cried, Hosanna, save us, just a few moments ago. They have uh, ushered him into town. He has come to begin uh, to preach this kind of final week of sermons. He has declared destruction of the temple. And he says, uh, but you're going to have to wait. And imagine waiting uh, when you have literally been uh, eating dinner and sharing a cup with Jesus. Wait, even I don't know when. And then he says something which is super, super frustrating. If I could have Chad's redaction of the Bible, I would definitely take out the line where he says, and this generation will not pass away before this comes, because guess what? Spoiler alert, there's been more than one generation since Jesus died, and he has not come back in final victory. He has not uh, shaken the earth. He has not, through his spirit, transformed the world completely. So we are left now, 2,000 years later, to sit and wait as if the master might roll back in any day. I love that the story of the master is not, he's going on a trip for six months. Be ready when he comes back. If you, if you flip back to the story real carefully, it says, you don't know whether he's going to come back this afternoon or in the morning or at lunch. There's this kind of imminent waiting for the master to come back that the story invites us to that Jesus invited his disciples to, that the church is invited to in this Advent season, uh, to wait well. Uh, the greatest threat uh, to the church isn't some uh, radical destruction of what's going on. It's an apathy. Our greatest fear is not uh, that uh, we're going to be found out as frauds. It's that we're going to be lukewarm and not excited. It's easy to feel like we've done enough the house is clean enough for the roommates to come back. We've waited well enough for the master return and to, to devolve into uh, kind of piddly waiting. And it would almost feel justified, right? Uh, I used to love to read these books about uh, the Delta Force and the SEAL teams. And uh, one of them uh, talked about this group who would go to military bases and assess their readiness. Uh, they would come in and they would do these scenarios as if they're going to attack the base. And uh, the idea was, hopefully, they can't attack the base. Um, and so what they would do is they would say, hey, we're coming. And what would they do? Everybody would get super, super, super ready, right? Everybody would be on edge and they would stop this group. And what they realized is, you can do that for a week or two but you can't do that forever. So what the, the group stopped doing is announcing when they were coming. It was a secret order of what base they were going to, and they would just show up. You might be at Subic Bay in the Philippines, and all of a sudden this group comes to assess your base, and what they found is nobody was ready. If you don't know the hour and you don't know the day, it's really hard to wait. 
the, the New Testament is full of stories of where waiting stinks. It'd have been easy if Jesus had been like, uh, see you later, it's Pentecost, I'll be back in 40 days, right? Man, the church could have waited really well for 40 days. It'd have been great if he could have said like, you know, by the time uh, this group of kids are confirmed, uh, I'll be back. Because they, they could have catechized the mess out of those kids and, and really built the church. But instead he said, even I don't know the hour of the day. So stay alert. Church, are we going to be satisfied with kind of uh, a lukewarm waiting? Are we going to stay alert? Whether the themes of sin, death, and judgment resonate more or the themes of love, hope, joy, and peace resonate more, are we going to look to the one in whom all those are rooted, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, or are we going to sit by and be comfortable with apathy? Can we stay alert? Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, on this first Sunday of Advent, uh, we do look with hope to you who has defeated sin and death. We look for the one who sits on the judgment seat. We look to the one who offered himself up for us. We look to your spirit to fill us and to transform us. We eagerly await that time when you come again in final victory. Until then, Lord, we wait and we long and we draw near to you and we draw near to one another. Fill us with your spirit as we come to this table, Lord, that in all things we might be made holy in your love and that in all things we might glorify you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.